So, as we get started this morning, I want to start with a story. I want to start with a story. Years ago, me and Leah, my wife, were arguing, um, and this was when I was still in the Marine Corps, and we were having a, um, like a real, real, real argument, you know what I mean? Like yelling, screaming, we're mad at each other, that kind of argument. Um, and this was 2016. Uh, Elijah wasn't here yet. She was very pregnant with Elijah. He was like, she was like seven, eight months pregnant, um, and she's making dinner. And I don't even remember what the argument it was about. We're just, we're just yelling at each other, tearing into each other. And as she's making dinner, she, uh, Leah's a very animated person. I am too, but particularly Leah's a very animated person, which is funny because she's so compact, but she takes up a lot of space. And um, when she was frustrated and she was angry, she was cooking, and she went and she kind of stomped her foot, and she kind of did this little hip-a-dip thing, and the butter on the spoon flew across the, across the kitchen and slapped onto our floors and just created a big buttery mess on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she looks way better with the hip motion than I do, <laughs> but that butter, I mean a big glob of it too, she was making some sort of noodle thing, and I mean that thing just slapped in there, made that wet sound, it was, it was amazing, and what was, <laughs> the best part was, I mean we were furious, y'all, right before this, immediately as soon as that butter hit the floor, we couldn't keep a straight face. We looked at each other and just burst out laughing because it was so funny that she, in her anger, threw butter on the floor. So now the joke is when we get angry, it's like, you want me to throw the butter on the floor? <laughs> it's what we joke around at the house. And I say all that to say that um, anger is a natural thing, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest for just a second. How many people have ever gotten angry? Every hand in this house better go up, okay? We've all had moments when we've gotten angry, all right, we've all had moments when, we, when we've gotten angry. It's a universal feeling. It's a universal feeling. There's not really any human on the face of the earth that would say, no, I've never experienced that. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm not familiar with it at all. And um, the other thing with it is a lot of times we get angry, and then we feel after we're angry is like a type of remorse, right? I mean, don't you feel after you've gotten really angry and frustrated, you feel kind of bad for it? Regardless of what the outplay was, regardless of what the cause was, you just kind of feel bad about the anger that you have. You feel kind of bad that you allowed it to take over in that moment. And then as Christians, we tend to think that we are to never get angry. And I mean, culture doesn't help us with that either. Because you know the minute that guy at work knows you're a Christian and you kind of blow some steam and you get a little frustrated about something... You sit back and you know he's going to have a comment. You know that they're going to say something. You know they're going to do You just know because culturally, Christians are not supposed to get angry, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing we grew up with. Now, I would like to point out, most of the Christians we think of are those senior saints that have been at this for many years. And when they don't get angry, it's because they have lots of practice not getting angry. But for many of us, we sit back and we think, well, why? I can't let that happen. Why did that happen to me? It feels uncomfortable. And depending on your church background, maybe being angry was a sin. Like maybe you grew up in a church where if you were angry, anger equaled sin. And the two just were always tied together, and that's just kind of what happened. But let me... Uh, explain that a little bit more because um, sin, sin itself, sin, I want to give you a definition, a workable definition for sin, is sin is anything that gets in between you and God, anything that gets between you and God, 
hurts you or those around you, okay? So we take the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That a sin is anything that gets in between you and God, so anything that gets in between that relationship, so anything that gets in between and breaks down that relationship, that's the entire purpose of the old law. The, you guys remember the law and the prophets, the 613 commands? They're all built around, Jesus says, the idea of not getting in that, between that relationship between you and God and not hurting people around you. So if it ever becomes a thing that gets in between you and your relationship to God and hurts you or hurts those around you, you can go ahead and classify that as, an, as a sin, as a sin. But anger doesn't always equal sin then, right? Because anger doesn't necessarily get in between your relationship between you and God unless you have certain outplay of it. And here's something about it you may not recognize or something about it you may not think about. God gets angry. God gets angry. So if God gets angry, anger can't be a sin because God gets angry and he can't sin. So it's not, it's not that anger in and of itself is a sin. It's what happens when we become angry that becomes the problem. Anger is a characteristic of God. It's part of who he is, and it's part of his character. And in this series, Maker's Mark, we're going to look at some of the characteristics that we have in ourselves and some of the things that maybe we don't enjoy, maybe some of the things we wish we could separate, maybe some of the things that we don't interact with on a daily basis. We're going to take a look in this series and see how some of those characteristics actually are the mark of our maker. But the difference is, is how we allow them to outplay in our life and what we do with those marks that makes the difference. So in order to understand anger, in order to understand anger as it relates to God, we have to see moments when God's angry, or we have to understand God's anger. The best place to do that, one of the best places to do that, is in Exodus. Because Moses is on Mount Sinai, and when he's on Mount Sinai, the Lord passes in front of him. And when the Lord passes in front of him, now remember, this is Moses. This spent lots of time with God, face-to-face with God. Like him and God were biffles, right? They were together a lot. So this was the thing they did. So this, he, he spent a lot of time with God. And when God shows up, this is how he describes God. Notice what he says. So we're in Exodus chapter 34. We're going to start in verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Now, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now, this phrase, slow to anger, is maybe not something we attribute to God. But slow to anger is actually the Hebrew phrase, arek afim, arek afim. And that word or that phrase means long of nose. And some of us are going to go, what are you talking about, long of nose? Is this a Pinocchio thing? Like, No. What it is, is it's a Hebrew word, it's a Hebrew phrase, and what they often did is the response in Hebrew when somebody was angry was they would say their nose burned hot or their face burned hot. That was the common way they wrote when someone was angry. They didn't just say they were angry. They said their face burned hot or their nose burned hot. It's a, it's a, it's a literal translation of a physiological thing that happens, right? I mean, how many of you guys know when you get mad, your face gets hot? right? Your face gets warm. If you're of the fairer complexion, we can see when you get mad. We can see. 
So it gets warm. I don't, you can't, it, you don't see it that much in me. My, I just get a vein right here. Some of us get veins, some of us get red, okay? I get a vein here and a vein here. If you see it, you'll know, right? But that phrase, so if, if it's hot, then the word phrase long of nose means that it takes a long time to get the whole face hot. The implication is, is it takes a long time for that individual to become angry. In fact, it's used and translated as patience. The individual is patient. So if you look in Proverbs, we're going to look at another example of this in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. That's our phrase, arakafim. That is long of nose. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So it literally translates, a person's wisdom is their long nose, meaning a person's wisdom is their ability to not become angry quickly. That's one of the things we forget in Hebrew is that it's such a beautiful language in the way that they, they write and the way that they describe things. It's a very visual, visual language. Now, back to our phrase in, ex, in Exodus where it says that God is slow to anger. Because many of us don't feel that way. Many of us feel like God may be quick to anger. We may feel like God gets angry kind of fast. And maybe you feel about, you read the Exodus story and you go, God doesn't seem slow to anger in there. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Because God, if we remember right, there were 10 different plagues, right, in the Exodus story. 10 different plagues. Not only were there 10 different plagues, God didn't destroy the Egyptians until they pursued the Hebrews. So, Ten different times, Pharaoh had the opportunity to stop doing what he was doing. Ten different times, Pharaoh could have turned from his evil ways, but he did not. And even then, God did not destroy Pharaoh and the entire army of Egypt. That happened when they disobeyed and ignored what God said again and pursued the Hebrews. Notice that's almost 11 different times that they defied God before there were severe consequences, nine times before the death of the firstborn, and 11 total times before the destruction of the armies of Egypt. So God is not quick to anger. He's slow to anger. Let me put it in perspective. Those of you that are parents, how many of you are going to allow your child to backtalk you 10 times? That's what I thought. Ain't none of y'all. All All y'all like, boy, I wish they'd do it twice. Slap that joint across the room, right? But to put it in perspective, God is awfully slow to anger. And that's just in one instance. We see it again in the nation of Israel. I mean, in the nation of Israel, time and time again, they are disobedient to God. God says, don't do this. Don't worship these gods. Don't put something up higher than me. Don't follow these people. Don't follow the gods. You don't need a king. You don't want a king. Don't make that person the king. Don't have hundreds of wives. Don't intermarry with other religions. That's going to cause problems and pull you away from me. God has all these instructions in the law, and time and time and time again, the nation of Israel pulled themselves away and completely ignored God. And he never got so mad that it happened in an instant. Sometimes it was decades of disobedience. Sometimes it was hundreds of years of disobedience before God eventually handed them over to their own decisions and let them do whatever it is they were going to do. God truly is slow to become angry. Maybe you didn't grow up with that version of God. Maybe the version of God you got was like the version of God I got as a kid. 
that God was very fast to anger, to become angry, that God would very quickly smite you. And in fact, you were just lucky. You were just lucky that God even tolerated you on his creation because of how gross and sinful you are. Maybe you grew up with that version of God to where he was always angry at you and it felt like Jesus, this is the way it was described to me, was that Jesus was stiff-arming the Father to keep him from destroying the entire earth. That was the version of God I grew up with. I grew up with a version of God that God got angry with me because I wanted to play sports, and if I played sports, that put something else higher than God because I was spending more time playing sports than I would in church, and therefore, I didn't love God, and God would be very angry with me. Maybe you grew up with that version of God. I firmly believe there's football in heaven, so I don't think that version of God is accurate. Um, but the point is, is, I mean, God wrestled with somebody. Come on. It's the same. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. There's going to be wrestling in heaven too. I'm convinced. Um, but the, the, the point is, is that God is not this God that's angry and waiting for you to mess up. That's the version of God I grew up with is that he was consistently angry. And in, at the drop of a hat, I could tick him off and then he was angry. And I was just lucky that Jesus just so happened to die on the cross and prevent him from smiting me, almighty smiter, right? So maybe that's the version of God you grew up with. If that's the version of God you grew up with, according to Moses, according to Moses, that version is not accurate. Not just according to Pastor Brandon, according to Moses, who was God's biffle, who spent time with him, who had lunch with him, who spent moments with him, so much so that God buried Moses because he knew the Israelites would worship his bones. So God is intimately in touch with Moses, and in that fact and in that state, Moses says, no, 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 God, he's slow to become angry. He's not quick to become angry. So if that's the version of God you were handed, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that if somebody that has my position and had my, my job as a preacher is telling you that God is so angry with you all the time. God, believe it or not, not only does he love you, this may come to a shock to you, God likes you. He does. He created you. He likes you. That's why he sent Jesus to die for you, because he loves you and he likes you. And we see it in Jesus' life too. Some people go, okay, that's Old Testament. You never see Jesus get angry. Really? Because the Jesus I know is flipping tables in the temple. He's really mad. And you guys know what I'm talking about, Jack Jesus. I've told you, my Jesus is Jack. And he's flipping tables and he's angry. And what's so interesting is people go, yeah, that just seems like kind of a big moment. You know, he just kind of walks in and flips tables. That seems quick to anger, Pastor. Except, does anybody know when in his ministry that happens? The Passion Week. That happens the Passion Week. So it's the week he's about to be crucified, he goes into the temple and starts flipping tables. So he's had three years, three years to put up with these religious leaders, three years, two other Passovers he's been a part of, and has seen what they're doing in the temple. And if you pay attention, he's always speaking, and when the religious leaders ask him questions, try to trip him up, he speaks most of the time directly to them, calling them to repentance, calling them to change their mind, calling them to do what is right. And then after three years of that stuff, he finally gets mad and flips a table or two. Like, come on, that's not quick to anger, in my opinion. 
I mean, quick to anger would be the first time he steps on the pages of history, he's flipping tables. But we don't get to the table flip until much later. And then, not only that, as we learned last week, I mean, come on, on the cross, do we remember the words he said? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd have a couple different words hanging from a cross. They might have a real hard sound at the beginning, okay? I'm just telling you, pastor wasn't always a pastor. That I don't think that I would be able to be slow to become angry hanging on the cross. But yet here he is demonstrating what it looks like for us day in and day out, time and time and time again. And we see it. And we sit back and we think, man, I can't, I can't believe that. Jesus would just kind of deal with some of this stuff. But the truth is, is he's slow to become angry because he's imitating his heavenly father, who is also slow to become angry. It makes sense why James talks about it in his letter to the church. James is the half-brother of Jesus, for those of you that don't know. Now, I, I got to pause here because I always have to ask this question. Those of you that are siblings, what would it take for your older brother or sister to convince you that they are the Messiah. I got three boys. I'm not sure it would ever happen. I don't think it would ever happen. Just last night, they tried to kill each other on the nugget couch. So I'm not certain that it would ever happen. So just let that sink in for a moment. We have historical evidence that Jesus' brother, James, was leading the church in Jerusalem. He was leading the church in Jerusalem, and that he did not become a follower of Jesus until after the resurrection, because he probably thought his brother was crazy, until his brother started walking after he died, and he's like, okay, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the one that's got a problem. So, so James, the brother of Jesus, who lived with Jesus and who then is following Jesus after the resurrection, he has this to say. My dear brothers, this is James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Lucky for you, we handed out notes and pens at the front door. So take note of this. You're a brother or you're a sister. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now that whole phrase right there, I could divide that into three separate sermons, okay? We're just going to talk about the one today. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. And the reason James instructs us of that is because our Heavenly Father is slow to become angry. And he knows, as well as Jesus did, as well as many of us know right now, that the opposite, being quick to anger, is destructive. It doesn't work. In fact, in fact, um, some of your greatest regrets are probably associated with a time when you got really, really angry, right? Some of your biggest mistakes happened when you got angry and you were quick to, anger, to, quick to become angry. Isn't it true that your worst fight you've had with your husband is when you were quick to become angry? Isn't it true that some of the worst fights you've had with your wife are when you were quick to become angry? You didn't process it. You didn't think through it. You didn't allow it to sit for a moment. Isn't it true that that relationship, that friendship would still exist if you were slow to become angry? I'll get a little bit more personal. Wouldn't your life be a little different if dad wasn't so quick to become angry? 
Wouldn't things look a little different in your life if mom wasn't so quick to become angry? James is alluding to the truth that we all know. Being quick to anger serves no one. Being quick to anger is destructive. Being quick to anger is dangerous. And it does not demonstrate God's character of anger. James continues in verse 20. He says, because, because he knows we're all asking the same question. Well, why do we need to be slow to be angry? Like, come on, what are you talking about, James? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what she said? I mean, come on. I mean, we all know that anger is always rooted in some sort of right. Isn't that true? I mean, isn't it true that most of the time when you're angry, there's a halfway decent reason, right? You're not an unreasonable person just getting angry for no, no purpose. You, there's a, a reason, and if you were to sit up here and talk about it, you could probably put it into words why you got angry at him or put it into words why you got angry with her. And we would all, in fact, sit around and think the same thing, go, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you should be mad, right? I mean, the truth is we... When we become angry, there's always a little bit of, of realness in there. There's, there's a little bit of a factor that it makes us uncomfortable when we become angry, so we respond with anger, and we respond in that anger. I use this phrase sometimes now with Leah when I get, when I get angry. Uh, for most of the time, when it's something that I catch myself, I go, you know what? And maybe you, you can use this phrase. You can steal it. I'm just not getting what I want. Nobody wrote that down. Nine times out of ten, when you get angry, isn't this true? When you get angry and you just fly off the handle, isn't it true that most of the time it's because you're not getting what you want? He's not responding the way you want him to. She's not responding the way that you want her to. And in truth, if maybe we were to slow down for just a second and communicate the issues, then we might be able to overcome this initial frustration that happens. But isn't it true that, I mean, if we can just be honest with ourselves for just a moment, most of the time when we become angry like that, it's because I'm not getting what I want. And so I've begun to say that out loud, and it is the most humbling experience you can have. When I look at her and I know that I flew off the handle or I got mad about something that really didn't warrant it or in my head it warranted it, but when I unpack it, it's like, she's just not saying what I want her to say. She's not doing what I want her to do. I, 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 and I didn't communicate that. So you know what, honey? I'm not getting what I want. And that caused this type of response. Because James knows it. He points to it next. He says, because human anger, this is James chapter 1, verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Notice he says human anger, indicating there's a difference between godly anger and human anger. Godly anger is slow calculated. It's measured out. It's not fast. It's slow. It's human anger, fast, immediate response. And then you're going to give them your peace of mind too, because they done made you mad, right? And you struggle with that idea. This righteousness that he's talking about, this word righteousness, really means a condition acceptable to God. So there's a sense in which, and this is going to make us all uncomfortable, and it should for just a moment. There's a sense in which when we become that angry and we allow responses that are unhealthy and we begin to hurt people around us and we behave that way, that type of anger, according to James, 
makes us, puts us in a condition unacceptable to God. Now, lucky for us, Jesus covers us. Somebody say amen. amen. But I don't know about you, but the idea of being uncomfortable or unacceptable to God, oof, I don't like that. If you're, if you're a believer, this is not really uh, negotiable. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, this isn't as easy for you to say, look, I like all the Jesus stuff. I'm going to pass on that, right? You can't, can't quite do that if you follow Jesus. It's something that you, you kind of have to grip. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, I think this is just a good practice. Being slow to anger sure seems like a really good idea rather than being quick to anger. I mean, you know people that are quick to anger, right? You walk on eggshells around them. You don't like being around them. You're not comfortable being around them. You never know. Today might be the day. He might snap. She might snap. Regardless of whether they're a big, loud, angry, or a quiet anger. Because you know those people that are really quiet, they throw me off, man. I can't figure them out. They get really angry, so they get quiet. And I'm like, they're going to kill me. <laughs> right? Like, like I've, I've pushed them too far. Or whether you're the big, loud, over-the-top angry. That's me. If I'm angry, you'll know. You'll hear it before you see it. But regardless of what type of anger you are, the response and the way in which it happens and how quick it happens and the result of it becomes the problem. And when you're quick to anger, the problem with being quick to anger, there's no thought. There's no filter. There's no slowing down. There's no reasoning. There's none of it. It just happens. And then that type of anger, which is why James says it does not lead to the righteousness God desires, is because that's when you hurt people. And that's when you hurt you. When you're quick to anger, the filter's gone. Who cares? I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell her. And they need to hear it anyway because I'm sick and tired of the way they're behaving. Or that, you know what? They've had it coming. So I'm just going to let them have it. When that filter's gone, it becomes dangerous. You hurt people. I mean, you hurt those around you and you hurt the relationship. God's anger is slow and controlled. Slow and controlled. Human anger, human anger, however, is fast, uncontrollable, and destructive. And when we allow us to be that angry that quick and just turn over to it, we hurt people. We hurt those closest to us. Because again, isn't it true? Some of your biggest regrets, parenting, some of your biggest regrets, parenting, happened when you lost your cool too quickly. Isn't it true some of the worst things you said to your husband is when you lost your temper? Isn't it true that some of the worst things you said to your wife were when you lost your temper? It makes sense why James gives us this instruction. To be slow to become angry the way our Heavenly Father is slow to become angry. Because anger is not the problem. Being angry is not the problem. It's what happens after that. You probably have a good reason to be angry. Because again, anger is not the problem. It's the result, what we do, the outplay of it that becomes dangerous. So now the question becomes, okay, Brandon, I'm there. But what now? Because I get real angry real quick, and I don't know how to do that. So what, what, what are we going to do here? I want to take you through a, uh, an idea. This is a very, very simple, very, very simple phrase that we can remember. I want you to close your eyes and take a breath next time you become angry. Close your eyes and take a breath. 
And I know that's super easy for me to say up here right now on Sunday morning at church, right? It's super easy for the pastor to say, slow down, don't get so mad, why so angry, right? I know, believe me, I've been in your seat before, I've been there, I understand. But one of the things that really helped me process this, because I don't know what, you, you guys probably could figure it out, but like when I was younger, I had a real problem with anger. It's how my family handled it. It's how my mom and dad handled things. It's, I never saw a filter, so then I got married, and that's just what I did. It just kind of rolled. There was no slow to anger. It was, you done made me mad, and then we're here, and we're off, and we're fighting. I want to be slow to become angry. This process helped me. It's a technique. It's called the 7-4 uh, breathing technique. So what you do is you breathe deep in through your nose for seven seconds, and then you breathe out through your mouth for four. So we're going to try that together here in the house today. We're going to try that. Some of you guys go, I don't want to try that. Look, it will save, I'm not kidding, it will save your marriage. Some of you have been tiptoeing on the line, and you are so close to losing it, and you don't know it because she hasn't said it to you yet, or you don't know it because he hasn't said it to you yet. You need to start practicing this. You're very close. You may not realize it to losing your relationship with your kids. Because they won't remember all the good stuff. They'll remember when mommy and daddy lost it. So we need to get control of it. That's why our Heavenly Father tells us to get control of it and figure it out slow to become angry. So <clears throat> we're going to do it together as one big group. Seven seconds in through your nose, and then we're going to go four seconds out through your mouth. Ready? And in. Out through your mouth. What you just did is a breathing exercise. That breathing exercise is shown to physiologically lower your heart rate, to calm you down when you become frustrated, to lower the temperature on your emotions. It puts you through a process that immediately starts to trigger a, I can calm down here. Because it's not the way God created you. He does not want you. He did not create you to lose your cool like that. And he doesn't want you to. Because again, isn't it true that some of your worst and biggest regrets are associated with losing your temper? So, I bet your life would be different if your mom or dad did this before they disciplined you. I bet that life would be different if you did this before you responded to your wife or you did this before you responded to your husband. Here's the best part. It's never too late. Every time, last I checked, everybody in here's got a pulse, which means it's never too late. Some of you are like, I don't know, man, that breathing exercise almost put me out. Go for a run. You'll feel better tomorrow. <clears throat> but it's never too late to start. And listen to me. If you have kids, listen. If you have kids, don't pass it on to them. Don't pass it on to them. Because this is, this is inherited and then learned and reinforced. If they only ever see mommy and daddy handle things with anger, guess what they're going to do? handle things with anger. 
if they only ever see mommy and daddy fight in front of them and they don't ever see a healthy resolution of the anger and a process and stopping and calming down and we're not going to do that and that's not how we treat each other and they don't see that, they will never emulate it. They will carry the curse the same way some of us have. They will be quick to become angry. And when they are quick to become angry, it will affect their relationships. It's never too late to start it in your marriage, being slow to become angry. Your kids will thank you for it in the future. Your marriage in 10 years will thank you for it. It's never too late to start getting control of it because God's anger is slow anger. There's nothing wrong with the feeling. There's nothing wrong with feeling wronged and getting angry about it and those things. And it's probably coming from a good place. But the action is the problem. Which is why James says, slow to become angry. So, with that, I would love to pray over you guys before we sing. Father, you tell us that you will be with us in these hard times. And Lord, this is a very difficult thing for many, many people. For me, it was a very difficult thing. So Lord, I, I pray, I pray God that you would be with us as we fight through these things. I pray that you're with us as we struggle through gaining control of this emotion. That anger is actually a mark of our maker because it's, it's a, the difference between something being normal and then the way it is now. It's a discrepancy. We recognize anger is not the problem. It's not the problem at all. It's our reaction to it. It's when we lose the filter. It's when we lose control. God, I, I pray that we would be slow to become angry this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would carry us out of here with that on our hearts and that on our minds. That we are not going to let anger control us, be the boss of us. That we are going to gain control of it. So, Father, I pray that you would be with us. You promised us that you would help us. Holy Spirit, you promised us that you would guide us. So, Father, we're leaning into that promise this morning. We love you. God, we praise you in this place. And the church said...